Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations with Z and Vin. And we got special guest Caitlin, as always, ready to take some abuse. So I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Z, we've been talking about how people carry themselves, how we move through this world. You sent me this article, which I found pretty disturbing. It was about a South Asian woman and... She'd moved to the U.S. Uh, she settled in Kentucky with her husband, who's white. They have kids, of course, mixed race. The kids are somewhere between white and South Asian. And she came here with this idea of the American dream, that everyone is equal, that she would be respected, uh, that society would welcome her like we've welcomed immigrants for hundreds of years, even if we haven't, that's the ideal that's presented around the world. So she came in and she settled down. And she was at a restaurant one day with her kids. And her kids were two and four, uh, these small girls. And she said that she was sitting there. uh, There was a man who came up and uh, stood at their table and was just standing there making them very uncomfortable and looked over at them and she was wondering what to do, whether to say anything. And while she was thinking about this, the man spit on her child, spit on some four-year-old girl, called them the N-word, and then walked off. And she was just shocked. She was hurt. She was angry. She spent the rest of the article talking about what this meant how to think about this, whether she should have done something or shouldn't have done something. And she used this one phrase, which I thought was really interesting. It stuck out to me that she didn't do anything because she wanted to take the high road. She also admitted that she was scared. She didn't know what was going to happen. But at least part of the reason she says she didn't do anything is that she wanted to take the high road. So you and I started talking about that. And it's kind of like, what is the high road? What road tells you not to defend your children, to allow ridiculous insults to pass without saying anything, without maintaining your dignity, your sense of self, protecting your space, protecting your family. Who told you this was the high road? Who told you this is the way to act? Is that an excuse because you're afraid? Is that something that's just ingrained? Is it a combination of both? And as we started talking about this, you made the point that a lot of times bullies or oppressors are going to gravitate towards situations where they don't face any harm. So they'll read the situation. A predator will take a look at prey. And if they think that that prey is going to attack and lash out and potentially hurt them, they might move on to an easier target. Humans work the same way. No one wants to get into a fight uh, to risk some altercation, to risk injury. So we end up going into situations, if we're the aggressors or we're the bullies, where we've got a pretty good chance 
of coming out unscathed. And we know that we can pretty much do whatever we want with no consequences. So if that's the case, then the question is, what vibe are the victims giving off? We've got a woman who's a model minority who's been told her entire life that uh, she should fit into the society. Uh, She married someone who's white. She wanted to make a home in Kentucky. She wanted other people, presumably, to like her, to respect her. But where did... Where do we get this notion that we just have to fit in, that we've got to please, that we have to endlessly accommodate? And how is that equated with the high road? What's interesting to me as we talk about it, my view on this has changed quite a bit. Because years ago, I was probably more in that camp. And this is from growing up in a family that doesn't like confrontation that pushes anger aside, that pushes negative emotions aside, that focuses on not rocking the boat, keeping peaceful vibes, talking about nonviolence, talking about Gandhi and the power of just taking it in the ass, basically. And that becomes a reality. And over time, I realized that that makes no sense. You have to stand up for yourself Not that you're out looking to hurt someone or assert yourself because your ego demands it, but because we move through this world and we have to look out for ourselves, we have to look out for the people that we care about, we have to maintain our humanity, we have to send that signal, Z, as you say to the rest of the world, that, yeah, we can get along. If you treat me well, we're cool. But if you fuck with me, watch out. And if you send out that vibe, suddenly you're not a target, or at least someone's going to think very carefully before doing something like that. So this whole idea of how we carry ourselves, how we move through the world, what vibes we give off, how much of that comes from our beliefs, our desire to fit in, our need for stimulation, which is another topic that we've been exploring. To me, it's a... It's really a fascinating topic, and we can take it in a few different directions. I'll stop over here and let you run with this a little bit. What are your thoughts when you take a look at people, you just look at things like posture, belief about oneself, interactions with other people and the world around us? How do you see people behave, and where do you think we're falling short? Vin, like you said, this could go a lot of places. There's this concept that I was, I had before we started. I kept thinking about the world where we live and the way we live now and how people are unable, unable to discern the truth from falsehood, right? And the truth is something that is very fluid and it has to be constantly uh, managed and, and, and nurtured and needed because every moment uh, situations are changing and the details are being uh, more um, layered, so to say. And so it's not always that a person is telling the truth or a lie, but what they're saying is to the best of their knowledge, this is what something is. So you want to constantly better your knowledge so that you know something, something you may have deeply believed and held to be the truth 
a year ago, a month ago, you may find completely not that again. That doesn't mean that you were lying or anything else, but it means it was a falsehood. Why was it a falsehood? Because it had an emptiness in it. And the situation you're talking about, I also got sick reading the article. It made me sick. Picture this woman who is kowtowing, trying to hide herself, possibly using all sorts of bleaching creams and things like that, um, carrying herself in a a very restricted way, uh, going along with all sorts of degrading things every minute of her life in order for her to do what she perceives to be fitting in and not being mistaken for a despised caste. And then one day... A predator sets upon her, right? An opportunistic predator, and literally vents their rage on their child during the pandemic and just hacks spit on the child. There was an article about some police officers doing the same thing to people in the public, not taking vaccines and spitting on people. So there's been some articles about that, which is a whole nother topic of the times we live in. So I'm reading this article and I'm like, my God, this woman, she's telling me more about her life than about the incident, right? And there are things that I work with with health every day. When a person walks through the door or I I get a client come in, I always tell people your body will speak a truth your mouth will never utter. If you're distracted, if you have something on your mind, if you're burdened with thought, if you're self-diminishing, all those will show up in your posture, the distenting belly, uh, backache, some of the problems that you describe you're having. If I see somebody uh, listing or their eyes darting and averting contact or falsely presenting themselves as interested, hoping that they're pleasing the person in front of them, these are all tools of etiology, diagnostic tools about health. I can tell from the cadence of a voice, but all these things can also be used in survival. As I speak to people nowadays about self-defense, someone asks me, well, tell us about self-defense, about maybe elderly people defending themselves or women's self-defense, right? And they said, what would you say, Z, since you have a background and a martial background and so forth, how do you teach somebody self-defense? Well, what I said to them is what I have learned over many, many years of, of practical application of martial craft is that it isn't that simple to teach a person the various scenarios of self-defense because self-defense is no longer just about protecting your body, uh, your flesh, your bone, your being from an attack by some miscreant, some decot, some uh, person like that. But it's self-defense starts with defending yourself against your own self. People walk in front of cars now and they blame the car. The car attacked me. I was walking, someone was uh, sued the city for stepping on a crack in the sidewalk and falling onto a fire hydrant. They sued the city. No, so nature has an interesting way of weeding out the herd. Not just does it make you available after some time you're more available to predators, but you seem more appealing to predators. The gazelle that gets eaten by the cheetah or the lion 
It's not that gazelles have something wrong. It was the slowest gazelle. It was the gazelle with the least situation awareness. So it didn't get to live a long gazelle life. Now, humans, a big part of our self-defense is our general ability to be alert and well. Predators can feel and sense and smell a natural mechanism in your body that is pulling you out of the breeding pool. You understand? So that lion or that gazelle is looking for the slowest, weakest, non-observant prey it can find. The one with the limp. The one that's distracted by butterflies. That's the one they want to eat. They don't want the one that takes a visual snapshot of the butterfly. That's cute butterfly. That's a good one. That's not my, I'm staying in my lane. Let me get some water and get the hell out of here. Okay? They're not going to go after that prey. It's too hard. It takes too much calories. So over our time on this planet, as we have evolved, we have internal mechanisms in us that allow us to be vibrant and upright. When you see that you begin to slouch, you're becoming closer to food. Then you also notice as you slouch, your energy levels get lower. Your will to express yourself diminishes. You, you lose sexual desire, libido, and function. That's a, that's a sign of imminent doom. Is that you, you don't even have desire for intimacy anymore. You say, oh, you're just getting old. No, that's not true. Old folks home have a problem with old people having orgies. It's a big problem with old folks homes. These people are doing all kinds of stuff there. That has nothing to do with age. It has something to do with attitude. And when, as we start to decline mentally and surrender ourselves to our smart devices, you can see the, the de-evolution of people, the way that we carry ourselves, the, the, the loss of fast twitch muscle, the slow reflexes. You see so many people that walk around, it appears they have encephalitis, brain fog. I talk to every people every day and it's young people and they're slow-witted, very slow-witted, extraordinarily slow-witted. And though I'm oftentimes three times their age, I'm shocked at how they are dumbfounded by simple things. The ability to figure out something in front of them. Maybe there's a problem with three components. And they can't even figure out what it is. They just sit there and wait for help. Saw a poor guy on the side of the road on my way to pick up one of my little ones. And uh, he, had, uh, he was out of gas, I guess. And he was looking for the gas cap. Couldn't figure it out. And just sat and waited. Gas station was probably a mile away. He was there for two hours. I left. Two hours later, I came back, still sitting there. Finally, the uh, AAA came and gave him gas. So you mean this guy couldn't walk to a gas station? So imagine being in nature. Predators all about. You're just sitting around waiting. Now they picked up your scent. They picked up your sweat. They picked up your fear. You look like an easy uh, hors d'oeuvre. Easy lunch right there, right? So I say this not to say that we have to walk around ready to fight, but that readiness to live is part of, a, part of your general health maintenance. 
When we do various demographic scalings for insurance, we want to know how many push-ups can you do? I, I challenge anyone, look it up. That's a good indicator of longevity. How many push-ups can you do? Now, if you can't do uh, five or six push-ups, you're pretty much food. That's little? That's... There are people who can't do five, ten push-ups. If you can't get off the floor from a supline position without using your hands, you're closer to food than not. But these are all things you can correct. Because remember, we're asking these little things, these little indicators of general cellular well-being. It's not just gross well-being. Is your mind clear enough to figure out how to get off the floor? Oh, yeah. We've run that exercise. Right? Do you have the energy, the wherewithal, the anaerobic connection, the neurosynoptic ability to build neuro, uh, neuro, uh, motor neuronal packets to do a friggin' push-up and when you get tired, not just quit and lay on the floor and go to sleep? Or go into deep depression and self-loathing or feel like a victim because the push-ups weren't designed exactly for you. So you see where I'm going with this. This is the decline. So when you see these things going on, we're declining. We're declining. And, and so for those of us who aren't buying into this, we're on a good trajectory. We're taking the middle path, the high road. I, I don't want to be a part of this. When I see this this kind of normalization of a disease model. Just look around. I, 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 am, I ask any of you, just look around. The, the, now there's a type 3 diabetes from people simply eating carbohydrates all day and snacking all day, all day, without a break. I went through the grocery store and they had a thing called a snack pack. I don't know if you've seen this thing. It's just a bag of snacks. They say, keep going all day. You shouldn't be eating all day. Sitting in the house, sitting in front of your computer. Now the children are losing their vision. This is another thing that's happening. Younger and younger kids are having vision problems because they're in front of the box all day. So nature in its infinite wisdom sees that, okay, this animal, the only thing it can offer to nature is caloric energy for another viable species. You see how it works? So within our own species, you have various levels of uh, uh, predator models. You have different predator models. Opportunistic predators, very common. Years ago, uh, <clears throat> various law enforcement agencies around the country built a profile of victims. They found that no crime was random. There's no such thing as a random crime, but there are crimes of opportunity. So what's a crime of opportunity? A person looks to you know make a quick score. That's their job. You know, a, a criminal is a kind of a predator, kind of like a hyena, you know, kind of like a fox, right? So they start their day knowing they have to make X amount of dollars. To That's their job, just like you go to work every day. The criminal goes to work every day, and they have marks. They look, well, you want to look for the woman who has a bunch of kids pulling on her, three or four bags in her hand, 
cell phone uh, or earbuds in her head, shopping bags in her arm, each kid pulling in a different direction, trying to get in the car. Predator sees that. Imagine yourself as a predator. How about walking down the street? You see somebody walking with a limp, a little too uh, heavy to move out of the way. Maybe they have a medical alert bracelet on, right? Um, whatever it is. They have a Slurpee or smoothie in one hand, a, a Mac burger or something in the other hand with a wallet hanging out of their pocket. Put yourself in the position of a predator. Easy prey. Some creature in poor health. And then on a cellular level, on an energetic level, the DNA, does they, they don't really want that limp creature to keep consuming up regional resources. So we're going to have more health problems. We're going to have more anxiety, more things that will naturally make you shut down. Then the intellect will fight that and it makes you sequester yourself. An animal that's smart and knows it's hurt doesn't want to be around other creatures. This is the people in the car having road rage. They're unhealthy. They can't really move that well. And they're, they're protected in the shell. They become turtles. They're in a shell. But now they're angry, miserable. They can't be present, so they're mad. But they have this four or 5,000 pound vehicle around them, a few hundred horsepower. So they can push you off the road. They can honk at you. They can flip you the bird. They can exert that frustration they have with their own condition. With their own condition. They feel empowered just for a while. They have the illusion of being the alpha predator now. Thus we have road rage. Now we have all sorts of acts of violence now. Crime rate has gone up outside of normal demographics of crime. So we're seeing more and more crime that has nothing to do with crimes of depravity, sustenance, and material um, deficiency. Just people acting out their mental health issues on others. Angry, enraged. They had some teenager running over bicyclists while spraying diesel smoke in their face. What happened in his life? You have more and more women involved in road rage incidents where they're running people over. So it's like abused people, oppressed people, tend to act out more violence among their, amongst their intimates. Why is that? You always say, oh, if you went through all this, why would you? Well, you have no power. Imagine that poor woman who allowed her children to be spit upon. Where does she take her rage out on? Where does she vent her rage? Probably on herself. I'd imagine she's having a lot of health issues. Don't have to see. I'm sure her cortisol levels are messed up. Probably has cortisolemia. Got a bunch of other health issues. You know, she's tried to do everything to be a perfect model minority. It's not working. So she's having some mental health issues. Now, if you're in other people that are going through these different types of issues, uh, you see the poor man who goes home and beats his wife and kids, right? Because he's been abused, humiliated work. You know, you work, uh, you see these people working in the financial market and they have uh, tyrants of a boss and, and they go home and uh, they've been humiliated, degraded all day. They go home and beat their wife or beat their kids or, or drown their sorrow in alcohol or 
or drugs or whatever they're doing. Because here's the problem, because I don't believe in pure victims. I think they've bought into something that doesn't serve them. I would not participate in a religion that doesn't like me. Period. Choose your God. Choose your religion. Choose the things that you follow and support. Choose them in a way that they support and nurture you. And reading, when you read people, ask yourself, what what are they saying without words to you? Whenever we meet somebody, what are they saying to you without words? Are they trying to please you? Is it a used car? You know when you meet a used car salesman. I don't know if you ever had experience buying a used car. Well, you swear he's your best friend. He's so interested in your life, he's not at all. You can tell by how easily the words roll out of his mouth that he's said it so many times. Women fall for this stuff all the time. You know, we he listened, heard about some entertainer that's going to jail for a long time for doing all kind of weird stuff with, with little girls. Well, why did he get away with it for 30 years? Because he believed he could fly with this beautiful song. Everybody said, I love the song, so I'll turn the other way. It's not my daughter, not my kid. Then at some point, the gig was up, right? And he, he goes to jail. Um, my thing is, why did he keep going for this long? Why? why, why what, what did it take? Who did he piss off that said you're no longer protected? Because also, why aren't the parents going to jail too? Think about us as a culture, as a society, as we read one another. What do we read as success? Do we ever read what was behind the success? If success is simply money, did we ever ask how they got the money? Are you okay with that? Or is it doesn't matter as long as you got it? Let's just, let's be honest. Maybe it doesn't matter as long as you got it. And if you could get it and you accumulate enough of it, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to adhere to the rules and regulations of the rest of us, which is kind of the way it is, right? But let us who are opt-outs be noble, honest people. First, with yourself. How do you read situations or do you embellish situations? I was explaining to my son the other day, uh, my six-year-old. I said, never beg people for friendship. You never have to beg a friend to be your friend. You never have to beg a lover to love you. You never have to beg a comrade to show loyalty to you. If you have to beg, it is not yours to have. If you have to sacrifice your dignity as a human being, then you're you're never going to get what you're asking for because the goalposts will always move. The price will always go up. For us who opt out, let's be okay with us. And when we read people's behavior and your actions, read them, not their words, their actions and their deeds. And if they unwittingly act in a way that is not auspicious to you and you softly let them know here's what works for me that doesn't work for me 
And if their response is, I'm glad you let me know because I really want us to work harmoniously together, then that's cool. But if they say, F you, you know, whatever, deal with it, then deal with it. Deal with it. Get them out of your life. Life's too short. So we read people's posture, their actions. I read their pulse. Like a Chinese, but you have the three pulses. I read the affects of the face. I read the pallor of skin. Right? There are people I know who like me, but they're real nervous around me. And that's okay. I get it because it's like they're standing with a gorilla or Caesar from the Planet of the Apes. And maybe they're like <laughs> normally food in there. You know what I mean, Caitlin. So there are people who are uncomfortable and they get to know me. They say, you know, he's not going to rip my head off. And uh, you know, actually, he's a very lovable guy. It's kind of scary. It's like, you know, hanging out with a shark or something and you got a cut on your leg, but he's a vegetarian shark. And also, if they think I'm a gorilla or something, then gorillas are vegetarian. So, you think, so it, they get to know me, but they've read me right. They've co- totally correctly. I, I, they're, they're very transparent, right, Kelly? You get what you get. There's no mystery. I, I don't have that mechanism of uh, like a blowfish or something that disguise myself one way, then it's something else. So as you get to know people and know, as you get to know yourself, you read other people better because most of us are mirrors of the experience we're having with others. We are reflections of that. So you know when, if that reflection is messed up, then check yourself and get another medium of reflection. When I'm on the road and some woman followed us the other day and said we had cut her off like 10 miles early on the freeway, I said, wow, this person's out of their mind. I knew it wasn't personal in the sense. I knew that if she attacked me and my children, of course, I'd have to dispose of her. But I realized that there are so many people that are out of their mind wanting to vent rage. Where does the rage come from? Long before you encountered them, they were enraged. Or they had, like this woman, allowed someone to spit on their kids and swallowed that vomit. That'll make you evil. And then you said something earlier, Vin, about Gandhi. And I had wanted to talk about truth and falsehood, but we didn't cover that. But in this case, I want to talk about it. When people say, I want to be like Gandhi, what part of Gandhi do you want to be like? The pedophile Gandhi? that molested his niece, the hate-filled Gandhi that hated Sikhs and would tell Gujaratis one night that he was for the caste system and tell the rest of India he was against it? Do you want to be the Gandhi that said his worst experience in life was being treated like as a common nigger in a South African jail because the white South Africans thought he was black because he was black? Is that the Gandhi you want to be? You see how people are screwed up? Gandhi was not the Prince of Peace. He was a good politician for the moment. BKS Ambedkar, on the other hand, was a saint. But most people don't even know the name. Check the Constitution of India, and you'll see right next to Gandhi was his nemesis, BKS Ambedkar. Why was he Gandhi's nemesis? Why was he his nemesis? Because he was a low caste. He was a Dalit. He was an untouchable. Gandhi was a Brahmin. He hated Ambedkar. Ambedkar said we should annihilate the caste system so our country can grow and prosper into the new century. 
But if we get rid of the caste system, that means nobody can stand on another person's head to lift themselves up. You're going to have to rise based on your own merit. Who wants that? So when people start quoting these people, do you really know what you're talking about? So I let it go. I just, it just, just one of those kinds of things that go through here. People don't even know what they're talking about. People say they, a lot of right-wingers say they hate communism and socialism, but they never read the book. They, they understand it. Communism is about community. Then the people, some left-wing people, I hate uh, the feudalism and all that, but you want the government to tell everybody and force everybody to do what you like them to do. We can't even speak openly and honestly within each other because of kind of like left-wing ideology. You know, if I don't like something, that doesn't mean I'm a, a homophobe or trainophobe or whatever they call it. There's so many names that I can't keep up with it. You can't accommodate everybody. Everybody can't fit on one train car, okay? So we don't even know what left or right means. So then you start to listen, and so the words are not clear anymore. So we have to read people's body. We know that if you have a lot of these pre-existing health conditions, it also alters brain function. Okay? So you're not thinking straight. So if you're physically unhealthy, you probably shouldn't be president. Not because I got anything against people that don't like to work out. But that's a big job that needs a clear head. If you have certain health issues, you probably shouldn't be driving an airplane, piloting an aircraft. That's all. If you're uh, in the medical field and you have hateful feelings towards people, emotional feelings that you despise a religion and ethnicity of people, probably shouldn't work in medicine. Is that a stretch? Is that outrageous? So I read people. I remember going to a a, a doctor who um, uh, I had the Kofifi way when Kofifi first started before they knew it was Kofifi. And it made me have a rash. So I said, that's weird. I'm going to go and uh, see what this is. Make sure I don't have something creepy. I usually do my own medicine. Everybody knows that. I make up my own stuff. But I always like to study, see what they know. I'm always, it's a hobby of mine. I go to this guy and he looked at me. And he just says, maybe you're, you're not, uh, maybe you're dirty. I say, this racist motherfucker. What the hell does that mean? But he assumed that whatever his assumption was. And he didn't do any biopsy or anything. He was almost scared to touch me. So I always check myself on that so I'm not reflexively thinking everybody's in the Nazi party, the KKK, right? Because I kind of assume that everybody's in the Nazi party, KKK, unless they're my friend. So I go back to him and I said, you know, the last time I was here, you didn't really check anything. He says, sir, I have to be honest with you because you came from somebody I know and work with one of my peers. I've never seen anybody your age as fit as you are, or with that any the skin issue, and it kind of threw me off. 
your age didn't match your appearance and I've never worked with someone of African descent of your complexion my practice is mainly older white people with skin cancer so I didn't mean to sound like that it was really nice but he owned it I said yeah that's great I'll never come back to you of course because you don't know what the hell you're doing with me but you're not a bad person but I read him being startled through my own lens I knew it was something weird going on with him just the way he looked at me but he was said he was more thrown off by the age on the my entry form my intake form and what he and then what he saw and so he said maybe you go to a gym a lot so that's what he was saying that's what he's dirty sweaty but the way he said it was all wrong enough to get a lawsuit I decided not to sue him let the guy go so my point of all this is let us read situations better let us read each other better but let us also read the reader because we come in with views attitudes independent experiences and as you step away and become that dispassionate observer you can observe things better. The gait, the gaze, the affect of the face, the pallor of skin. You ever been around somebody? Uh, look, everybody knows I used to be a famous male stripper. And I would go around certain women and they would become flushed just from my presence. Okay? I would never take it personal. I knew they were impressed with the character, Dick Tracy, and not with Z. So I would never, I would read them and they would get flushed and they would start fanning themselves and all this kind of stuff. And it was all because they had a idea that I was this character. You've gone through that too, Vin, or maybe you haven't, but let's move on. <laughs> Caitlin's cracking up. She's just rolling her eyes. Yeah, we've covered a lot of ground <laughs> as we normally do. So we started off talking about how people carry themselves, and we've gotten onto this topic of reading, reading other people, reading yourself. We've gone through the list of reasons why the world is falling apart, the road rage, the poor general health, the poor posture, the lack of sex drive. We're probably going to make ourselves extinct. Covered racism and the KKK, people that you might beat up, assumptions about who's in what group. So if we try and put some structure around this conversation, Z, what I'm getting out of this is a couple of things. One, we're in just such a confused world, and maybe this has to do – I guess it's probably a combination of a few things. It's our habits on the one hand. It's maybe just the general insincerity, so our tendency to want to be liked, to say things that are going to appeal to other people – even if we don't believe it, there's the decline in health, the dissociation from the present because we have the health problems and because our mind is all over the place. We're not focused on what's happening right now. So we're in this strange time. And if we think about how to navigate it, it seems like what you're suggesting is figure out how to cut through all of that. Let's figure out what's real and what's not real. We have to use that power of discernment that we talk about sometimes. Uh, so if we can't trust what someone is telling us because we know that they're lying to our face just to get a desired reaction from us, 
or maybe they're not even aware that they're lying. They're just so conditioned to behaving in a certain way. Uh, we need to be able to ascertain their true motives and their character, and that's how we know how to deal with them. That's also how we know whether they're food and we can attack them or they're not and we stay away. Uh, that's also how we make sure that we're giving off the right vibes so we're clear with other people. Uh, so if we don't want to be food, if we don't want to be at the bottom of the chain, if we don't want to be angry and depressed, uh, we have to cultivate a certain a certain manner. And part of that, again, is how we think about ourselves, how we think about life, uh, how we carry ourselves, uh, the habits that we have, making sure that we're taking care of ourselves, we're in good health. So all of this uh, falls under the topic of reading people. And let's bring it back to to us uh, and how we, or, or I should say what image we want to project when we're dealing with the world around us. Uh, we don't want to be the type where other people feel like they can take advantage of us. Even if they don't feel that way, we want to be clear with our intentions so we don't waste a lot of time in relationships. Uh, we're transparent. Uh, we're not going and pretending that we just want to be someone's friend when actually we want to have sex with them because uh, it's going to lead to a lot of wasted time and effort. We want to be clear on why we're there. Uh, or, I don't know, you can probably think of a, a lot of different examples uh, if uh, we pretend that we always like someone and we're their best friend, uh, then we're getting called to events and kids' birthday parties, and then we're in these situations that we can't extract ourselves from. Uh, so it just leads to all sorts of problems. Uh, so when I think about this, this whole idea of what we project, I'm thinking of that I am meditation that you run your classes through you know, when you're starting Tai Chi or you're starting yoga, just being clear on who we are. And if we have that clarity, I feel like a lot of these problems we've discussed would disappear. Uh, going back to that, that article that we talked about at the beginning, this poor woman is so confused because on the one hand, she wants to fit in. She wants to be a model minority. On the other hand, she's choking down insults and rage, and she's lashing out. She's talking to her friends. Her friends are getting her even more worked up. But then she's saying, well, these are white friends, and would they really behave the same way if they were in the situation? Would they stand up for me? Uh, what if they didn't know me? Would they stand up for me? So it leads to a lot of confusion. And then her solution at the end, as you pointed out, when she goes to a Black Lives Matter rally, <laughs> she feels like she's found some kind of hallelujah mo moment over there uh, without actually solving any of the problems. But if you're clear on who you are, you either say, yeah, I'm subservient and I'm going to let people kick me around. Or if you're not, then act like it. Then take the risk. Stand up. I mean, first of all, just your body language, uh, the way that you carry yourself might fend people off. But if someone does invade your personal space, tell them to back the hell off. Uh, if you don't have the opportunity to do that, make sure you beat them down so they don't come after you again. Uh, make sure you're clear on your ideas of yourself. Are you ingratiating yourself or are you someone who doesn't need that approval? Uh, just like you tell your sons, don't beg for anyone's affection. Not only do you not want to do that because it lowers you, it lowers, it destroys your esteem, your character, your dignity, 
it, it doesn't even work. I mean, the more we do that, the more pathetic we become, and we naturally repel people. So, in a sense, it's got the opposite effect. I guess if we're very practiced at it, like your used car salesman example, maybe we can get away with it for a while. But as soon as people figure out what we're trying to do, they're going to be repulsed. It's like, well, why would I want to be around someone who's so desperate? And we all see it. Anyone, any guy who's single and has dated different women knows that the ones that you pine after, that you chase after, want nothing to do with you, the ones that you treat the worst are the ones who always come back. And they call you 15 times in a row when you're out trying to have some fun with your friends on a Friday night. So it's just human nature and being clear on who we are, uh, number one. Number two, knowing that once we satisfy our internal standards, we don't need that approval. We don't need that validation. To me, that changes a lot of what we're talking about. So just doing those two things, Z, it seems like we would clear up a lot of the confusion in terms of how we present ourselves to the outside world. Now, maybe on top of that, we want to make sure that we've got certain standards of health. Uh, I don't know what the test is. Do you want to do 20 push-ups, 50 push-ups? Everyone probably has their own standards depending on the situation they're in. Uh, But you want to make sure that you feel in your environment that you can take care of yourself. Uh, Because if you don't feel that way, it's going to show in your body language, in your posture, and so forth. So, Z, give us some thoughts on this. Um, If we're really trying to manage, I shouldn't say trying to manage, uh, but if we're careful about how we present ourselves, if we want to go out into the world and we want people to know us as self-possessed, as confident, as fit, as capable, both physically and mentally, what are some of the tests that we need to pass? Or what are some of the standards that you would advise our opt-out community to adopt? Most things we can do, Vin, are subtle things. Change your damn narrative. Stop listening to this endless stream of lionizing victims, turning them into heroes. These false victims. There's always a story behind the story. There is always a story. When the women out there, just assert yourself. Not every man is a walking around a predator rapist dude. 99% of the guys are horny and want sex and we just walk around like that. But on a friendship level and a social interaction, just tell them where you stand. With no fear of rejection or anything. Women can give off signals. Men can give off signals. different that We, we, we respond different ways. Let people know where you're coming from. But don't do it. One foot in, one foot out. Don't say, oh, I, I'm worried about rejection if I'm honest. You can't have everything. And for everybody out there, work on being okay with you. If you're around family members and you have political stuff going on, I'm, I'm, I'm so saddened by people who have lost relationships with loved families over the politics of the last couple of years. I've talked to so many people that aren't speaking to family members. They're going to die pretty soon. You're going to die. That's your family. They have been drinking the same Kool-Aid you have. They're not thinking right. They're out of their mind. The news has got them worked up. Try to do things that get people out of the news and go back to the things that you value about that person. Reject the non-news. 
somebody's left wing, somebody's, excuse me, someone's right wing. Is that enough to destroy your family? Your opinion about what an opinion piece said. Because I don't agree with the opinion of someone who has nothing to do with our lives, you're going to cut me loose. People said that. I've had to cut my relatives loose. Haven't you heard that, Caitlin? So much of this is going on. So they, they, so whatever capital or human commerce we've developed over a lifetime, someone on a radio station far, far away has put you in a position where you now hate your family. I need people to think about how sad that is. Just how sad that none of this is real. Do you understand? None of it is real. And for those who have opted out, please say that as a mantra. The benefit to those people who keep you worked up is that the drive, the momentum of listening to them makes them rich. They're all wealthy, not because they did something for humanity, not because they saved the children, not because they created a medical device that mitigated human suffering, but because they got you riled up. Reject that. All the opt-outs reject that. Go to a different radio station. Listen to classical music. Listen to old rock. Whatever it is you do. Listen to 80s R&B or something. But stop it. Now, take that ownership of yourself. First, read yourself. Check in with your posture. Make sure you know your true north. And then go from there. And then bring in and invite into your life others who are working on themselves. We will all have various opinions and views, but opinions are not truth. It's your individual piece of the truth. Based on your life's journey, your particular emotional palette, but it is not the truth. So let us be good seekers of the truth, good pursuers of the truth. Let it be fluid and ever going. So that's kind of where I'm at with that, Vin. Um, Read yourself. Get to know yourself. The I am meditation. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I definitely follow you, Z. And as we're talking, I'm thinking, as I often do, about myself and the journey I've been on in the last five, ten years. And when I think about the way that I've conducted myself in the past or what caused me a lot of distress in the past, it was always trying to accommodate others, trying to be something at odds with my nature to please other people. And there's a visual that I have, and I write about this sometimes, that I'm contorting myself, contorting myself to fit into a certain box or a certain image. And if you think about that visual and how it presents to the world, you're not strong, you're not upright, your limbs are going in different directions, you're bunched up, you're in a position of helplessness. Everything we've talked about is useful in terms of reading yourself and reading others. But to me, it really gets back to the basic point of owning yourself, of being comfortable with you. And if you've got that, number one, a lot of this mental distress and arguments about what you should do or how you should be automatically disappear. 
we talked about this a few episodes ago uh, when we were talking about virtue or authenticity. You know, what, what is virtue? It's being authentic. It's being true to yourself. And if you are, there's no sin. Now, you could debate that. I don't want to get into some religious discussion. Uh, but at least you'll have peace of mind. You'll have clarity if you know what your standards are, what you're willing to do, what you're about, how you interact with people. So just that simple thing of stepping into yourself with with force and with confidence, I feel can clear up a lot of these issues, uh, both physical and mental. And again, I look at me, you've made the observation that my posture is different, my demeanor is different. Hell, the way I talk is different. It, even since I started this music project, <laughs> you told me that I had this high-pitched voice because it's that domesticated voice. And now I'm more in tune with that and I'm talking more from the gut and it feels more real and more visceral and more comfortable. And, and it connects. People connect with that because it's real. It's it's what I am. You know, Again, it's not trying to bend to the whims of the crowd, which is an impossible task because the winds are constantly changing. You're always going to be playing catch-up. You're never going to be able to satisfy all of the demands that people impose on you. And if you try to, the more you accommodate, the more you'll push you, the more that society will push you until you break. So that's really it for me, Z. I feel like so much of what we've talked about today in terms of reading yourself, presenting yourself in an authentic way, a confident way, it comes back to that simple principle uh, that I am meditation, knowing who you are, being that, and resisting the temptation to dilute that, uh, just to fit, not even fit with what other people want, but fit your idea of what other people want, which ultimately isn't real. Uh, You're trying to live up to an illusion. So, of course, it's not going to work. Not only is it not going to work, Vin, but it undermines your life. Be okay with you. Don't try to be, don't look in the mirror and, and be mad at what you see. Accept who you are. Be okay with that. If you don't like what you see, work on yourself. Don't, 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 don't try to be somebody else. People don't like you because you kowtow to them. All you do is provide a wood, a log for their fire, the fire of their ego that's an insatiable fire. Don't feed that fire. Feed yourself. Let's do it again next week, man. Sounds good, Z. Look forward. All right, everyone. Have a, have a good rest of your week. Talk to you soon. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.